Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Sam Anderson, Nick Rudolph, Ren Clayton. Guys, how's it going? How we doing? We're doing good, Red. It's so good to actually see your face. It's been so long, usually, with the last <laughs> few episodes. It's just been these random pixelated versions of Ren that go in and out, and then he's yeah. rotating back and forth. <laughs> Like strobing, weird, yeah. My, Sometimes my... our own reflections become <laughs> you somehow, and so we're like looking at ourselves. Yeah, so. Nick's head is on my body. And... Yeah, my camera, my other. That one looks pretty busted. good. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So now we're we're back. We're back in action here. Yeah, we're what we just had the tournament a few days ago wrapped up. Um, yeah. Masters is tomorrow. I could, it's holiday for me. Uh, should we do a quick debrief, Nick, from the from March Madness? Sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of upsets. Uh, what was it? The first tournament since, or was it ever that no one or two seed yeah, had been ever? Um, that no one seed, yeah, had been in the final four. Yeah. Wow. We uh we are all idiots except for Sam because we did a draft at the Sweet Sixteen and. Drafted teams and only one made it to the final four, and that one uh, went on to win. So, uh, UConn looked. I mean, they just looked better than everybody else. Uh, any any team that they played, I would like to see them against like a Kansas or a um, Houston or Texas. But um, you know, that's not to. I'm not trying to discredit their championship or anything, but um, they just looked like the most complete team and. Uh, obviously peaked at the right time so crazy to have you know two five seeds and a nine seed in the final four as well i thought the national championship game was a was a letdown but um other than that super exciting tournament sam do you have a victory speech for the huskies winning yeah i just had a really good feeling about uconn throughout the year i watched uh, most of their games and um you know I just you, just, a- you learn their plays right you learn their personnel their coaching staff yeah, I mean, I just knew they had three NBA players on their roster, and they were just trying to fill out the rest from there. And the coach did it well. So, how many of those three can you name? None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew nothing about it. I, uh, I just bet. I think they're my third pick, and it's really embarrassing that we picked what twelve. Yeah, we picked twelve teams well, out of the Sweet Sixteen, and one advanced to the final four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's so brutal. Yeah. Like the odds of that have to be so small, especially when you're picking the favorites. Yeah. Yeah. We picked so many total teams. Yeah. That's. Oh, well, before, before we would have picked, if you would asked how many of, of the final four do you think we'll have? I would have said probably three for sure. Yeah. don't you think i yeah, yeah i mean i would have probably guessed four i would have put four at over uh better odds than three even maybe yeah mm-hmm. so, and, I, and if you would have told me one i would have been like you're crazy i know no way we can only get one <laughs> and here we are so what a weird year but i mean that's that's what we want in march i guess right yes sir <clears throat> until the final four but yeah yeah personally what does that mean i mean 
you love the Cinderella until you get to the final four, I feel like. Then you just want them gone and actually see good teams play. So you so you're saying you don't love the Cinderella. I love the Cinderella until the final four. Then get these Cinderellas out of here. Get let yeah, the San Diego State should not have been teams. in the championship game. Well, we can go back to that. Creighton should have been in the final four. And then we would add two out of the four teams, but that's a whole different axe I have to grind. There's a lot of sour grapes <laughs> coming from one side of the screen. <laughs> so in our uh, two Doc Diehards competitions, I'm now two and zero. Just see, just so everyone's aware out there. <laughs> Wait, so, remind me again. The Super Bowl, you had the. Uh, we just picked did? Super Bowl teams, right? I get the privilege. No, we drafted, and there was a point system, and I get oh, the privilege yeah. of buying breakfast and golf for somebody. <laughs> but then I lost too, right? Because I had the Eagles, and I have to pay something. So. Yeah, you also have to pay. You have to buy breakfast or something. Oh, yeah, maybe I was just golf. I don't know, but it it's very sweet. <laughs> okay, well, this is a teaser for we're going to do a master's pool or master's picks, whatever you want to call it. We'll do that a little bit later in the show, but let's get on with it. We're here to review a 30 for 30 documentary. This is, I believe, the last one of season or volume two. It is called Angry Sky. It is not about baseball or football or hockey or basketball. It's about skydiving or, you know, free falling or parachuting or whatever. They called it uh, kind of all of those things. And it's about um, one guy called uh, his name, Nick Piantanetta, um, uh in the 60s, uh, who was a skydiver trying to set a record from for the highest skydive or, or free dive or whatever uh, in history. And he had multiple attempts. Um, he ultimately, at the time, in 66 had the highest uh, balloon flight, but then he couldn't get out. This was his second attempt. And then his third attempt was when he ultimately um, got so injured and ultimately died four months later in a coma. Um, they kind of tell us at the beginning that he's ultimately, he's passed away, you know, the making of the documentary. And we kind of know this is all leading up to the crescendo where, where he's going to pass away. Um, it's just his exploits, his, um, adrenaline junkie um activities skydiving and, and doing all these different things tells his life um yeah so that's kind of the summary of it uh, a unique sport what do we think of it sam how how'd you like it i'm all in on this doc you guys i love this doc it last night <clears throat> i sat down to watch it and i was like i'm just gonna watch the first like 20 or 30 minutes before i go to bed and then it was like an hour and 15 minutes later and i just couldn't step away and i just wanted to keep it going uh i was telling ren a little bit before we actually hopped on the pod i just feel like it's it's my type of doc and that it it's kind of a like a unique sport um well definitely a unique sport but it's a about just like kind of a crazy character um and his like unique mindset i guess which i, I really appreciated um <clears throat> and obviously it cost him his life which isn't a good thing but like um, I don't know, just like a legend as far as wanting to make the most out of everything. And like, he, he was a man on a mission who wanted to set this world record and like nothing was going to stop him. And I like really appreciate stories like that. Um, I, 
couple other like big notes that I had is just he wasn't like you said they talked about how he, he passed away we didn't really know how for a while <clears throat> um but I thought that at the beginning especially it like almost helped the documentary because it was just people like building up his legend even more like everything was this guy went on this crazy adventure or, like climbed a mountain no one had ever climbed before and did this and did that and like his legacy like probably has gotten bigger than it actually was over time through the stories of people and I thought that helped the doc um but yeah I'm kind of rambling on I just I really <clears throat> I enjoyed it I thought it was a unique story worth telling with with a Minnesota connection which was kind of oh. cool uh what do you think Rudy exact opposite I think the guy's an idiot <laughs> what's the saying you play stupid game you win games you win stupid prizes right like Oh, so much I have wrong with this guy. And I just think he's a narcissist <laughs> and he just wanted to just test the limits and sure we can appreciate that. But to not like think that he's just going to die at the end of this was just asinine and he's just going to leave his, his family there and he didn't care enough about his wife. Like, well, yeah, I'll go into that later. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. So and then, and then I'm like, the whole time I'm like, the parachuting down is not even a sport. So, or like, what's our definition of a sport? So come on. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. So not that it's not worth a storytelling. Um, yeah, no, I didn't really like the guy. I didn't really like the, the wife either. I thought his brother was kind of the straight shooter who was like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he couldn't tell him anything. Like he was going to do whatever he wanted to do. You could tell his brother was very angry about it still. Oh Everything he said was just oh, yeah. like so taking shots at Nick like over and over and over. Yeah. Everything he said just had like an attitude to it. It's like the interviewer kept asking him questions. He's like, I don't want to answer. <laughs> like he, you know, throughout the interview, got more and more angry about it. But mm -hmm. yeah, oh, that's so, where I am. So yeah, some great interviews. Where are you, Rod? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the middle of you guys. Honestly, I am. I do agree with a lot of what you said, Nick. Like, yeah, I was not really rooting for this guy. He was a total narcissist. Um, and I'm like, what are you doing? You just keep, you know, shooting out babies. And then you keep, like, jumping out of planes at the same time. He's like, yeah, he had his first kid. And then he was, like, skydiving every single day. And then he had another one. And then another one. Uh, But, yeah, you got to respect the, like, the... The, the ambition too like it was super interesting um but yeah i mean i i overall i like the documentary as a whole it wasn't my favorite but it was uh probably higher than like uh, a middling one for me higher than middle i would say um it was directed by jeff tremaine which i just looked up who i, I thought had directed another one he directed the birth of big air the bmx one who was you know a similar thing He's also the the co-creator of like the Jackass movies, um. So it's like that uh, that kind of you know it seems like that sort of fits you know the action sports the adrenaline all that kind of thing. But um, no, yeah, I mean overall I liked it. I do think, uh, well, yeah, there was some things I didn't like about it. You know the recreations. I feel like I talk about this too much. There was tons of those. Now this one you had to have because they didn't have footage from practically space. So I was fine with those. There were some other recreations down on Earth that was something so cool. But um, I really liked the, the interviews. Maybe were some of the best ever. Like, yeah, like they had 
they had his his college his army buddy who was like yeah are we allowed to say everything yeah we robbed somebody at gunpoint I'm like whoa you know that's a great it soundbite amazing and then yeah there was the, the brother the wife you know everything for a documentary with the subject dead we got great interview content which is hard to do yeah and it was you know obviously going to be reliance on that um you know there was they they needed all of those interviews and from you know many different areas and so um it was interesting that they were able to get so many half because you know they were able to get so many but half just they had to rely on the video or interviews and i was surprised that they got so many because i thought most people would be dead by then it, it felt like it was longer than it was like it was 66 right mm-hmm. i guess that i mean now that is a while ago but yeah, how did we feel about all of a sudden it's like, oh, we found this company in Minneapolis. And the first attempt was in Minneapolis and the second two were in Sioux Falls. And, and the third one, you know, we took off in Sioux Falls. He came down in Worthington, Minnesota. And he was in a little hospital event there. And then he got airlifted back to HCMC or something like that in Minneapolis. And out of the blue, we had this Minnesota connection, which was, I was like, what? It's uh, so random. I was pretty stoked about it because what was it like pig eye la- landfill or something where, where he landed after the first. Yeah, I don't know what the name of it was. It was some St. Paul municipal dump is all I remember. Was, yeah. Pig's eye dump. And I looked it up and it's like five and a half miles from my house. So I was like, no ah. way. We should <laughs> yeah. go there. We should see if his foot are there. It's fossils. Get one of those little toy parachutes, toss it into the dump. <laughs> <laughs> Pour one out for, for, <laughs> For Nick. For Nick, yeah. I was pretty stoked. I was like, did this whole thing happen here? And we just had, no, we've never heard of this story. And then obviously, like, it became more of a Sioux Falls thing than a Minneapolis thing. That's so um, many connections, yeah. And, and I, for me, I was like, okay, wait, how can I turn this into, like, a local story that I turned eventually on, like, the anniversary or something? Um, sure, I bet. still had to work on that, so... Were you guys amazed that there's just engineers fully committed to just keep making huge helium balloons? Not even like hot air balloons, but just like these massive hundred yard long helium balloons that people can go up in. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I, I what struck me about those was that they said it was thinner than like a grocery. You put your, your fruits and vegetables in that bag. Like, why does it have to be that thin? It doesn't make any sense. Like, because- they, wouldn't it be, it might be too heavy otherwise, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a hundred. Or what? When they pack it, it might be too thick. Yeah, that was just a, the whole, the whole uh, building process was wild. They had the old guy who was like, you know, he's like the most honorable dude in the in the Air Force. And he's like, yeah, I went up there and I set the record, but I didn't do it for the record. So I didn't, I didn't have the proper record taking technology with me because i wanted to use completely the old man (laughs) basketball player like oscar robinson who's like man anybody like i could do so much better like they could never do as good as i did back in my time i'm not helping anyone (laughs) yeah yeah anytime there was a mistake there was like that's why because they're not disciplined and i'm trained and blah 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 which i mean was valid They were just doing it for the record, and I was doing it for the betterment of mankind. Yeah, like for safety's (laughs) sake and science, and yeah. That was funny. (laughs) Also, how can you imagine, like, what an oversight, though, um, doing this, and then 
one, not having any medical personnel there. And then two, like you land in Worthington, like that sucks. <laughs> I can't imagine Worthington Hospital had, uh, you know, that much yeah. um, trauma one, you know, experience or whatever. That is a huge oversight. Can we talk about the, in my mind, well, not the bigger oversight, but a crazier oversight is that he got to 123,000, what was it? 123,000 feet. And yeah. like the pipe or the, was it like the oxygen? Some the oxygen valve or something froze, right? The oxygen valve freezes and doesn't allow him to get out. So he can't jump. So they have to bring him down. Mm-hmm. In his, what, what he was still it survives. Yeah, and he still survives. But like, and then how do you go up after that? Right. Well, I mean, I think there's almost more of an argument to go up after that because you're like, well, I already got up there safely. I got down safely if something went wrong. You know what I mean? So like, I'll just do it again. And this time, this thing won't malfunction and I'll just jump out and I'll be good. Yeah. That was, that was one of the things where the old, the old military guy was like, yeah, they should have checked that stuff. You know, like <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And yeah, the the whole, all the missions, it was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. Right. We knew it wasn't going to, because in the beginning they gave us the Red Bull guy that did it like recently when this was made. And he was the guy that did it. And they told us that. And so the suspense was a little lacking, even though I, they did a great job of building suspense when we already knew the outcome. Um, I thought, should we talk about just kind of our opinions of this guy? Nick, sounds like you have, have some takes. <laughs> just Let's to get go it. At it, Nick. Let's go at it. Yeah. Come on. All right. I feel like I already said a lot, but I mean, he obviously cared about himself more than his family and his wife. Um, my conspiracy theory is that he killed himself on the third, um, like he committed suicide out there. He brought the visor up because his wife was nagging him about stopping doing this. And so he was finally like, you know what? I'm going to do what I love or I'm not going to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Pfizer! That's a a bold take. Cut that one for the Instagram. (laughs) Pfizer gate. (laughs) Yeah, Pfizer gate. That is Um, a bold take. um, No, but in all seriousness, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really, you know, like the guy. It just seemed like a reckless guy that um, was all about himself and at, at, at some point in life he was going to you know meet this match uh or meet something that was gonna you know kill him uh, you know his his way of viewing the world and adrenaline and and uh, just thrill was going to be his de- demise at some point my biggest beef with him uh is that he like just had these he had a pet store with exotic animals and he made him fight like some sort of sociopath like that was kind of messed very messed up and i was not feeling that at all um he did yeah he had so many different careers and whatever and you know that line in um national treasure where the fbi agent is like looking at nicholas cage's character's uh like resume and he has like a hundred different he's like a diver and this and all these degrees and he's like what did this guy want to be when he grew up and that's what i thought of when i was watching this this guy did (laughs) Is in the military and he was this and he was an animal wrangler and he was all these certain things yeah truck driver and um and a pro basketball player too like or semi-pro basketball like all-american um but yeah overall i was like yeah this guy i wouldn't be friends with him (laughs) 
but it's cool. <laughs> you know, the stuff is objectively cool to do, but yeah. Sam? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you guys said as far as like definitely like a selfish move to keep doing that stuff. Uh, I think he he was like just a very like spontaneous guy who just like need like I, I none of us are like this but like there's certain people out there who just like need adrenaline rush and like we don't really understand what that's like but there's certain people who like don't feel like they're alive unless they're like going for the next thing and although like that to us looks like hey this is a super selfish endeavor that he has to pursue this over and over again or like he's risking his life for it like to him it it was probably like such a like uh what's the word i'm looking for tunnel vision tunnel vision pursuit that was just like i'm doing this i'm setting the world record and like yeah i love my family and and everything but like i need to do this in order to like feel anything in my life or satisfied with my life um and i know i mean that's just kind of my take on it um i don't know yeah but yeah no that's a. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this too i was trying to think about his character and stuff and I mean, we've watched all these documentaries. It's not necessarily an uncommon trait in some of these great athletes, right? I mean, you can go to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kobe. you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like they're obsessed, and that's why they're great. Tiger Woods, you know? like Now, no one's, you know, one-for-one one comparison, but, like, it's it's not a, a, a unfamiliar type of train of thought and, and maybe life philosophy that we've come across up. in this one. Yeah, it takes that obsession to get you to that level. And yes. you can argue if that makes you a decent person or does that have um or does that is that at the fault of personal traits or, or personality traits? I mean that's up for debate, but right. And then there was the what are you sacrificing? What are you willing to sacrifice? And, and that's yeah. different for each scenario and it's maybe same for a lot of scenarios too, but right. Like his the sacrifice in his sport happened to be like life or death because it is a super dangerous sport, right? And something that's never been done before. But like if he pursued basketball in the same way for two and a half years that he was trying to make this mission happen, I think we'd all be like, wow, like Kobe Bryant was up at 4 a.m. every day, worked out three times a day, and everyone like thinks, oh my gosh, he was he was so driven and ambitious and stuff. But when, when we talk about this guy, because he ended up dying in this pursuit, it's like, Oh, it was a super selfish pursuit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I will say one thing I did respect about him was like, you know, he sounded like he was the most convincing guy ever. Yeah. The one track,